everybody. Welcome to Rachel's Reviews. This is our February episode of Obscure Animation, where we try to talk about indie and less acclaimed, less known, uh, watched animation. And we have a really great time doing it. We're doing it for years now. It's so much fun. And I'm so excited to be joined by my friend Stanford. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Hey, all is well. Thank you. Good. Yeah. Do you have a good February as much as can be expected? Yeah, absolutely. Things are going okay, you know, just hanging in there with all this COVID stuff. And then, uh, you know, here in Utah, where we are, we got some snow. Finally, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we've had the weirdest winter. (laughs) Or I guess really (laughs) just more like the driest winter, you know. Well, everywhere in the U.S. has had a weird winter, it feels like. Yeah. It's like snowing in in Texas. Like, what? Yeah. on Earth? exactly it's pretty crazy it's crazy but uh yeah so this uh month we decided to talk about the film millennium actress and this is uh a anime film and had you ever heard of this film no i had not heard yeah. of this film i've heard of this director but i've not heard of this film yeah yeah i had actually written a piece for rotoscopers uh on it i uh I, they, they were doing a fathom event, uh, oh, release. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And so I wrote a review, they sent me a screener or whatever. And, uh, so that was my first sort of exposure to it. This was in 2019 they did. And I was really, uh, impressed by it. I thought it was really beautiful. I, I gave it a, a five star review. Um, I was, it was just very stunning animated film um what did you what was your overall thought of it you know um i think stunning is a really good word for it i was really taken with 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 the the beauty of the animation as well Mm -hmm. as really just the care of just like the tlc of the of the storytelling you know Mm -hmm. just like this just seemed like this was a project that had a lot of 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 love behind it. Also, I was taken with the unusual nature of the storytelling. Yeah, which I mean, often happens in anime, right? But but I thought this one. I mean, I've, I've never really seen a film like this, particularly particularly an animated one. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And I I don't know if I would go five stars now. I mm-hmm. might do more like four, but I still think it's really strong and really beautiful. And, uh, and definitely something that more people should, should check out. And, uh, so let's talk a little bit about the filmmaker Satoshi Khan and sorry if I pronounced names wrong, but, uh, yeah, but, yeah. For me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's probably most well known for the film, Tokyo Godfathers. Tokyo Godfathers is where I had heard of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, I know Tokyo Godfathers because it's a Christmas movie. Yay! <laughs> so I know my Christmas movies. Absolutely. And, uh, and I actually reviewed it a couple of years ago for my blind spot pick. Uh, I hadn't seen it, and so I, I did it my over my blog at Blind Spot Series, and I always tried to do one uh, anime or animated film. That's how I got through all the um, finished all of the Studio Ghibli's, and mm-hmm. uh, it was all. Th- through um the uh through my blind spot series and the the this was made two years before tokyo godfathers yeah 
and uh and i love tokyo godfathers i think it's a really wonderful film and it's it i think has the similar thing that this movie has in that it has such affection for its characters that you really feel like he loves the characters in that Mm -hmm. movie and then Mm -hmm. also here and that one's more uh it has more humor it also i think is a little darker uh it also like dark dark humor in a way yes um and then this this is more sort of your epic kind of sweeping story but i really think they're both very strong i was yeah i i was very impressed with this film and always uh appreciate you introducing me to cool uh, you know, cool movies <laughs> to watch, and particularly anime, because I still feel like I'm very much um, a greenie, you know, when it comes to when it comes to anime. Well, I just appreciate that you're always up for it. You're like, sure, let's <laughs> do it. Yeah, <laughs> bring it. Uh, and he has his his other probably most. There's two other films that he's most known for, and one is Perfect Blue, and that was from 1997. Have you seen that one? I have not. Yeah, as I, I haven't I think either. It's clearly, pretty strong R-rated. Okay, I I don't know for sure, but that's just what I've heard. Yeah, uh, so that's why I haven't seen it. Uh, but I have seen Paprika, his other kind of famous film, and this was 2006. And it's really a, a, a really cool movie. If you like Inception, it has a lot of the same ideas. And a lot of people will say it was heavily, heavily influenced uh, Christopher Nolan in, in Inception. It's a lot of the same ideas of dreams. And the, the thing that it's different uh, than Inception is that Inception, everything in the dreams is kind of grounded yeah in reality but here in this one you have you know giant dolls and and uh toys and and craziness and uh there's like a circus parade and uh kind of a thing in the dreams so it's a little more probably more actually realistic of kind of what people would actually dream about than uh than uh than what is in uh christopher nolan's dreams because there's like giant yeah, baby and stuff like that. One one to definitely check out too. You're know, trying to find. Yeah, maybe maybe we could do that for another episode yeah. of Scream. Yeah, oh, for sure. For <laughs> but sure. that's the main difference between it and it and Inception is because uh, the, the stories are are pretty similar. Um, with the layers of dreams and yeah. Um, but uh, but the main difference is this is definitely way more fantastic. And, uh, uh, so, you know, that's, that, that's interesting, but the millennium actress is, uh, is I think the one that you never, you don't really hear people talking about as much, uh, that he was the director, story writer and character designer for the film. So he is really was his baby to to make it which i always think is so impressive these i do too it's just amazing to me yeah. i really marvel these yeah, animators who yeah. just do everything mm-hmm. and are so involved and uh so yeah let's dive in and start talking about the film uh this uh is interesting because i read that this is the last major animated film 
created with hand inked cells. Uh, and uh, because this was uh, 2000 and uh, I already said it, 2001. Yeah. And even though there was obviously 2D animation to come after that, this is the last one with the hand inked, the hand inked cells, yeah. which is uh, which is kind of sad. <laughs> I know. I mean, sure it helps the... them so much in the production of it, but yeah. yeah, it's and again, one of the things that I, you know, and I didn't know this fact until after, you know, I had seen it, mm-hmm. but still, I marveled at the artistry, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of a such a such a beautiful film to look at. Yeah, uh, if you, I mean, it's pretty amazing when you think that just every single movement of every single character in a frame had a cell and had to be, you had the ink and paint department that would first would ink it, which would be uh, creating the lines of the characters. And then you have to paint it, which would be filling in the lines of the colors. And it had to be perfect. Every single one had to be perfect. And, and uh, the, the legacies of the ink and paint departments is just really incredible. And there's a really interesting book about the ink and paint, ink and paint department at uh at disney at disney yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. because uh the ink and paint department was primarily if not exclusively women Mm -hmm. too right yeah and uh um yeah fascinating it's such a fascinating so have you had a chance to go to see the uh toward the disney studio a lot rachel no i want to so bad i think you love it they take you into the you know typically they take you into the ink and paint building that still exists Mm-hmm. And there are some offices in there, but a lot of it is a combination of a kind of a museum as well as they they still the only ink and paint stuff that they produce is stuff they sell, you know, that yeah. stuff. And uh, but still, you just see the hundreds of jars of paint that line the wall and, and uh, just to see the hand artistry, you just you just kind of. I just, you know, that's one thing I want to do in a time capsule. You know, is go back in time oh, to see how that, all that work. Thank goodness for these cool books and you know, and and, and these historical accounts of it. But I still. have seen the ink and paint department at D twenty three. Yeah, do their demonstration, and uh, so that that was pretty fun and oh, talk yeah. about it and uh, and see how just the the attention to detail and i mean everything has to be perfect and you just do hundreds of thousands of these these uh cells is is really impressive and you think about the way that this movie is layered we'll talk more about that but like the there's definite especially when she's moving like on a train or something like that. And there'll be the movement in the foreground and then the movement in the background to show that kind of movement. And you just think that was all hand cell. My mind. Incredible. Incredible. (laughs) (laughs) And so the, uh, the, the goal of Satoshi Kon making this movie was to give it a seamless connection between illusion and reality. And uh, he said he wanted to have a nostalgic, nostalgic aesthetic is what they said. And so what they're trying to do is they are intermixing the 
the scenes of the movies that she's in, this actress, and also her life. Plus, you have the uh, the documentarian and his, and his cam- cameraman, and the cameraman. Yeah. yeah, that are also there, all telling the same story. And what did you what did you think of that? Did you think it was confusing, or did you think it it worked? Well, I think it worked. I mean, initially it was a little confusing, but then I just then I caught on and, and was mm-hmm. able to go with it. Uh, the uh, and and I just I really liked the concept of it. I thought it made it a lot more interesting as you know as they're interviewing this 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 actress who's been retired for many years, right? And she's mm-hmm. well, she's aged, aged, and that uh, they're. Uh, almost like experiencing the history along with her. I, I I thought it was a great visual and storytelling technique. Yeah. I like it too. There are a few times when the movie versus the real life get a little confusing, particularly yeah. in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I don't know. I just well, kind of went with it. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. I, just, I went with it. Cause again, it, I can't say that it made sense, but it's like, okay, well this is, here we are. This is what, this is what they're doing. And we'll and we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so this act actress, her name is Chiyoko, and Chiyoko uh, Chiyoko Fujiwara is her name, and she is the biggest star to come out of this one particular studio, Jinai Studios, and they're going out of business. And so these this cameraman and this documentarian are doing this piece on her and uh, to kind of showcase the studio. And when he, when he comes, he gives her a key. Yes. Uh, Which sets up the, this kind of the mystery writer or sets up the whole whole plot. I'm sorry to, I don't mean to interrupt you, Rachel, but this film just grabbed me at the get go with, with that uh, studio, you know, with the, uh, uh, Janae, or sorry, I think you said mm-hmm. it, you, you said it better than I did, but uh, yeah, they're showing this this old movie studio that's getting torn down. Yeah, and uh, you know, instantly it just took me back over over the um, I guess I think it was actually over New Year's Eve. The last few years, Turner Classic Movies has shown the That's Entertainment films mm-hmm. that those compilation films that MGM did. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen those? Yeah, I think um, I have. They're um, they're fun if you have never had a chance, or if you know, if 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 your wonderful listeners haven't had a chance to see them again, if they're if you're interested in that sort of thing. But but they uh, they the first one was filmed like in 1974, and so clearly like way after the the you know movie music, the heyday of the movie musical and not. But they had all these stars like so Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, Elizabeth Taylor, Debbie Reynolds. You know, and they're actually on the MG the, the the old MGM studio lot. And it's now since gone, you know, the, the back lot and whatnot. It's either been sold and off and there's probably condos or it's part of office or it's office buildings or something. But they're just walking around where where they filmed all those great movies. And that's just instantly where where this took me. So it kind of the film I was hooked, you know, immediately. Because yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff really resonates with me. Well, I think it succeeds on that nostalgic aesthetic then is what mm-hmm. he was going for. Mm-hmm. And you, you do get really that sense for of, me. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that is pretty effective whenever you have the, uh, the 
older person kind of telling, narrating about the life of his life or the life of a band or the life of a, you know, kind of thing. I mean, even it's a weird comparison, but, uh, you know, we just saw it pretty recently with the Irishman. They did that, you know, that kind of, I think that device works pretty well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you obviously have in like Amadeus, you have that device kind of looking back and someone interviewing them. And, uh, and so that's basically what you have here. And you have, it starts with her birth and like her mother doesn't support her in her desire to be an actress. And she wants to be an actress so she can save Japan and, uh, and save the country and represent it well. And her mother believes that she should be a wife and mother and, and not worry about these things. And that she just needs to get married. And, uh, and so yeah, things like that immediately kind of draw you into the character mm-hmm. because, you know, we're modern audiences and so that's an appealing trait yes. that she has. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And so then you have this key. So the cameraman thinks it's just a key to the studio, but in reality it's much more. And so that like like we said, that's kind of a mystery of what happened with the key. Yeah. And, and so, uh, then we start, once she's a teenager, then she, she starts, we start hearing about sort of the films and her life. And it turns out that a, uh, an artist, uh, gave her the key originally the key. Uh, and, uh, it was a political dissident, opposing the Sino-Japanese War, uh, which which was from 1937 to 1945. And uh, she tries to help the soldier. Uh, I mean, she tries to help the man. She gives him her scarf, and she tries to help. Um, and so she gets really frustrated, and there's, a, I thought, a really beautiful scene with her running away oh, yeah. from everybody. That was beautiful, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was really good. And and then, so she starts doing a lot more movies. And like, so this is probably the spot where maybe it got a little bit confusing between what's happening in the movie versus what's happening in the war. Right. That's where I, yeah, I think, and um, my guess it was an intentional decision, but yeah, where, where, where re- her life and then the character she was playing in the movies was really blurred. And then, of course, <laughs> you know, the documentarian and the cameraman <laughs> should keep showing up or keep having all these, you know, they're, they're like right in there with her. Um, but yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 I at times was just thinking, oh, I'm not quite sure. And I guess, I, again, same thing. I just kind of went with yeah. that. <laughs> but, and she's hoping she can find the man who gave her the key. Right. And that's one of the things that drives her to be in the movies too. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause she's thinking he'll see me, you know, that, you know, she's in the movies and, and mm-hmm. hopefully he's going to see her and go, go find her. Yeah. And this is where you get that, like I was saying, the animation where it's still in the foreground and then moving in the background to make it look, uh, look like she's on a, on a train or on a, you know, there's that movement. And I think it looks so cool. I was so impressed mm-hmm. with the yeah with the animation absolutely the highlight of the film really yeah and so she gets discouraged about ever finding the uh, 
the artist, the artist ever again. And so she decides to marry a man named Junichi Otaki. And because her mother says, you're, you're not getting any younger. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so... And she says, I have, I've passed the, I had passed the age of dreaming, which is kind of sad. Which was sad. Yeah. It was like she, she gave up on, yeah, on her dream and then entered into this marriage kind of almost against her will. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then one day she's cleaning in her husband's things and she finds the key. And of course she's shocked and upset and doesn't know what is happening and uh there's a a rival actress named Iko Shimao and she admits that she took the key and she gave it to the husband Junichi and uh so that's how he ended up in with the key which was so rude <laughs> it was that's a good word to describe it <laughs> <laughs> yeah very catty yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah um uh, so then you have a a soldier coming back an enemy soldier coming back and he brings a letter from the artist who had given her the key and uh and she it, there's a a painting and the she says i'll go wherever it takes and it turns out that the artist was tortured and killed after his arrest and uh, so that's devastating of course yeah. so sad and then in present while they're interviewing her there's an earthquake so that was pretty crazy. Yeah, I wanted to ask you what your take was on the earthquakes because they allude to one, or there's kind of like almost like an aftershock near the beginning of the film, like when they're just getting acquainted with her and setting up the camera in, in, in her home, you know, to write to do the filming. Or I can see, or mm -hmm. they talk about that there was one, and then there's this major one. You know, I always and maybe maybe erroneously, but I was. Uh, I was trying to see if there's any symbolism in that. And I don't mm -hmm. know if there is, if there is, and I got to talk to Rachel. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it, if it really meant anything or if it was just something that happened. Yeah. You know, I, I, cause there was all the, the things going on with the, her in the space movie. Yes. And she looks at uh, like the challenger thing, I think yeah. at the same time. And, and so I think there is something about, life and about the unpredictability of life yeah, and, and just yeah and nature and other mm -hmm. you know it's all the same yeah, unpredictability i think you're you're spot on yeah and she says that in on her deathbed she says that that the search for the key the search for the artist was her great uh passion of life is what yeah. gave her life meaning yeah even though she never found him again you know, it was this, yeah, the the search, the quest. Yeah, of it. It, and it's interesting because we never find out what the key is for. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and uh, that would have been. Uh, do you like that ambiguity? 
Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. I think I, in this film I didn't necessarily mind it. What 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 actually what what I mean I don't necessarily want to call it frustrating because it's, the film was so beautiful to look at. I wasn't upset. You know what I mean? It wasn't just yeah. But, but uh, what was really getting me down though is that she never would. She never could find the guy. I kept I kept thinking. I mean, you know that he's got to show up in Act Three. It's like, you know, please show up and, and give yeah. this woman somewhat of kind of a happy ending or or at least, you know, I, I, I don't know. So that that part for me was was a little bit of a downer. And I think yeah. maybe I was and I, I, I didn't mean I don't mean to to uh, uh, like impose what the filmmakers should do. You know, they should have done it this way or whatever. That's not it. I I think I was just hopeful. And that, I think, kind of dragged down my enjoyment of it just because I just thought she's, you know, as the as yeah. Act 3 was continuing, it was like, oh, she's not finding him. You know, I was like, this is not, you know, they are not going to get together at yeah. the end of the film. It was definitely a, bittersweet. Yeah. Uh, it, at the very least, if not just absolute uh, actual tragedy. And it's, I think, especially for a story where, you know, it's about somebody that's telling stories about mm-hmm. somebody who's an actress, about somebody who's yeah. for for her to not get the happy ending is is a little is a little bit hard to take because obviously we care about the character at this point, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like if if your name didn't have the uh, the meetup at the end, you know, that you just would feel like you know, <laughs> it's a really good point. It would be like. Well, I love this movie, but wow, this ending is just kind of wow, you know. Yeah. Did not bring it all together in a satisfying way. And again, not that everything has to have a happy ending. I just feel like too, she just because it was emphasized so much. I mean, she, she was working so hard for this, you know, that she so desperately wanted it. It it, it seemed to be a real disappointment. You know, to me, I was really mm-hmm. bummed, really bummed yeah. about it. I think that that tokyo godfathers does have a happier ending yeah uh so i don't know if he learned but uh i think uh you can see the contrast there which i think that tokyo godfathers goes to a lot darker places yeah so maybe you need it more i don't know but um uh with all you know serious mental health problems and poverty and and uh suicide and things like that um whereas this it's you know more kind of normal i still think that uh um if i had to do uh if i had to do a uh um if i had to do a ranking of i feel like this movie uh and uh wind rises and in this corner of the world are this are very similar those two movies and i'd say they're all good I like them all. I like them. I like them too. Yeah. I think that in this corner of the world is still the best. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I would concur with the wind rises being a close second for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was really quite smitten with that film too. Yeah. And same thing I saw, you know, I was able to see it on the big screen and that makes such a difference. I think with anime mm-hmm. too, I mean with any film, but I mean, just, I could, I mean, I totally get it. Like, like you, like you were saying, like how you gave a, 
um, Millennium Actress five stars after seeing it on the big screen. You'd be like, wow, that was amazing. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I kept thinking. She was like, oh, I wish I could see this on the big screen. I mean, my TV was fine, but I know. But yeah, you know, you, you know how it goes. But um, uh, I think I think you bring up a yeah, it's a very good point about just you know, kind of stylistically or I guess story wise, you know, those films are, are, are very very similar. Yeah. And I mean, they're, they're all three about, they both, all three have nostalgic elements about uh, starting, uh, telling a whole life. And they all three involve romance. This one, the least. So it's not really all that romantic, but there's kind of the hope of romance. <laughs> that's what I kept thinking. Yeah. It's just, and again, maybe that's why I was pulling for the happy ending. Cause it's like, yeah. it almost seemed like, yeah, it was going to be a, a classic film romance but it never it it never does that mm-hmm. and we've done all three for obscure animation i was so gonna people, say yeah we've done all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh but yeah it, in my in this corner of the world it's uh it's so devastating what happens and uh i think the whole thing of their uh arranged marriage is just so interesting and so beautiful uh, the way it's it's done and so it's I don't know it's just so good and definitely very underrated as far as I I'm concerned uh, but I think that this is also just beautiful uh, I think the way especially like I said the way the animation moves and uh, flows I think you could almost put um the tail princess Kaguya in this yeah. group as well oh, for sure. uh, that and that one is really long. <laughs> But it is really, it's beautiful. I really, I like it. Um, This one is, I think, the shortest of the group. Yeah, I think you're right. It's, it, yeah, it's definitely short, under two hours, right? Isn't it? Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, 87 minutes. 87 minutes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Under an hour and a half. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Wind Rises is uh, over two hours. Wind Rises. So. Uh, so anyway, they all are great. They all have something to offer. And I just love the way that anime continually presents a really strong women, strong female characters. And I don't feel like the medium gets the credit it deserves for that. Uh, I I don't know. I just feel like you never hear uh, them brought up. You never hear anime brought up as being a home yeah. for strong female characters. Yeah. But whether it's Miyazaki or uh, you know, many of these other uh, and I don't know if it's just because people get too obsessed with things like Pokemon, you know, or, yeah, or stuff like that, that uh, Digimon uh, Dragon Ball Z, stuff like that all has male characters. Uh, but as far as movies go, uh, there are so many anime films with strong female, female yeah. characters. Yeah. Really good point. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, actually, I feel like the the male characters are sort of your comic relief. <laughs> yeah, which which is how I felt about the documentarian and the cameraman in this, right? That they were kind of the kind of combination of comic relief and again, just kind of I don't know. Again, it was just an I thought just a very artistic way of 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 bringing them or keeping them in the story as the document, you know, as the as her history unfolds, you know, she's telling her life story. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is a movie that you could never remake because I think that 
I don't know. I just feel like it would be really generic because most of the stuff that I think makes it special would probably be changed uh, by American filmmakers. Yeah. And so, you know, things like the, the storytelling devices and the, um, and the untidy ending and, and uh, not knowing what the key is for all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like would probably be changed unless you got somebody who's more of an auteur filmmaker. Yeah. yeah. Well said. Yeah. Like David Lowry or somebody like that, maybe, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I don't think it, it could be done very well, but yeah, I really like this, uh, this film. And uh, so let us know if you're listening, what you think of millennium actress is it one that you've seen. Do you like it? Uh, how do you think it ranks with some of these other ones we talked about? We love to have your thoughts in the comment section and uh, check out the rest of our obscure animation. Uh, we've been doing this now for several years. So yeah, got a lot in there, some really fun stuff. If you have any suggestions, for independent, smaller, less uh, less praised animation that you'd like us to talk about, also let us share with that with us. And Stanford, where can people find you? On Twitter, I'm at Stanford Clark, and I have a movie podcast and blog at moviespastandpresent.com. Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and Unrotten Tomatoes. And I will post in the description my original review for oh, most cool. covers yeah. so if people want to read it uh they can and uh and check that out and make sure you're following uh us here at uh rachel's reviews but also at uh hallmark's podcast you can read my interviews and other uh fun stuff going on i mean you can watch my interviews and other fun stuff going on uh over there and and make sure you check out our patron group we really appreciate that help so much and we also have our merch store which has animation junkies hashtag animation junkie shirts so take a look at that and thanks so much everybody and we'll talk to you all later hey thanks bye bye thanks, bye bye thanks, bye bye